This is Hacker Public Radio, episode 4053, for Wednesday, the 14th of February, 2024. Today's show is entitled, Third-Party Integrations. It is hosted by Lee and is about 12 minutes long. It carries a clean flag. The summary is, Connecting Your Application with Others. I'm Lee, and today I'm going to talk about connecting things, specifically connecting an application we've developed with some other company's application. Although this might be an application made for our own use, let's assume it's one that's being provided for other people to use. Suppose we've created an application as a feature that produces invoices, but the end users do their company accounts in their favourite accounts package, such as Sage, QuickBooks or Xero. These users will then have to duplicate the effort of producing an invoice in our application because they then also have to create the same invoice in their own accounts package just to keep their accountant happy. Wouldn't it be nice if the invoices they produced in our application could at the same time magically appear in the bookkeeping system used by their accountant? Well, that's what I'm going to talk about. So... How could we go about solving the problem of transferring information from one application to another? A simple approach would be to export some kind of data from the source application into a file, then import this same file into the destination application. This would be a good approach, but it has some drawbacks. Firstly, it's a manual process. Every time the user wants to transfer some information, they have to go through this process of export and import. Secondly, it only works in one direction at a time. An invoice generally contains the contact details of a customer. But so we don't confuse two people who are both called James Smith, the accounts package might give each customer a reference number. It would be useful to be able to find out the customer's reference number from the accounts package, but this could be filled in when exporting the invoice from our application. But to do that, we'd first have to export the customers from the accounts package into our application before exporting the invoices from our program back into the accounts package. And that might not be the end of it. What if we also wanted to cross-reference part numbers stored in the accounts package? This simple process has now become a nightmare of back-and-forth exports. It really would be helpful if the transfer of information was a conversation rather than a one-way monologue. So, instead of doing a simple one-way export, there are cases where it would be better to let the two applications talk to each other directly using a standard protocol of some kind. So let's tell our users to give us the password of their accounts package so our application can log into it on their behalf in order to do the transfer. How does that sound? Well, actually, this is horrible for security. Even if our users trust us, with unrestricted access to every aspect of their finances, from the payroll details of their employees to whether they've paid their taxes. This still means that their password is no longer under their control. If we suffer a data breach, so do all our users. So how can the user let our application have access to a limited subset of their data in a third-party application without giving us their password? First, rather than give us their password, instead give us a credential that's unique to us, 
and tell the third-party application, which is the accounts package in this example, to only let us have access to the particular information we need access to. So our application will have scoped permission. This means, for example, our application has access to invoices and customers, but not payroll or other ledger accounts. If they no longer want us to access their data, then they do not have to change the password. Instead, they simply tell the accounts package to revoke our access. So, we've asked the user to get something that stands in place for a password from their accounts package. This is commonly known as an API key. I'll talk more about the meaning of API later. This situation is better because now we don't have the user's actual password and we have more limited access. But still, there is a high risk that over a long period of time, this secret key could get leaked. It would be nice if the secret changed often, and ideally changing the secret should be an automated process to avoid hassle to our users. So to reiterate, we want our application to get a temporary token, which is like a password, except that it's randomly generated and only valid for a limited amount of time. When it expires, we should have the means to get a new token. The process I've described has been standardised and is known as OAuth2, that is O-A-U-T-H, and the number 2. What does this look like in practice for the end user? Well, the user starts off in our application and sees a button that says Authorise Connection to QuickBooks or Xero or whatever. They click it and then they're taken to their Accounts Package website. They log in to their Accounts Package. It asks them, do you want to allow this company to have access to your data? And it will list the scope of the access, for example, read and write, and which data in particular can be accessed. Assuming they click OK, they'll be redirected back to our application. And how does this actually work? Well, we first register our app with the accounts package. We tell them which URL we want them to redirect back to when one of their users has given us access to their data. The accounts package allocates us some credentials to use when we communicate with them. We construct a URL that will take the user from our application to the accounts package for authorization. When the user has clicked on the URL and authenticated with the accounts package and authorized our application to access their data, then the user's browser redirects back to our website, passing a code in the query string of the URL. Our application must immediately use this code to request a token from the accounts package, which we will then store associated with that user. In fact, we get two tokens. One of them, called the access token, is what we'll be using to authenticate every request we make to the accounts package. The other token is what's called a refresh token. This one is only used to get a fresh access token when it expires, since typically an access token is only valid for about 24 hours, say. These tokens are usually very long and apparently random strings of characters. They may in fact encode some readable information, but for our purposes, we should treat them as opaque random blobs of data which are needed to authenticate. The requests I've mentioned are all standard HTTPS requests, which is the same protocol which web browsers use to talk to a web server when it downloads web pages. HTTPS stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol. The S stands for Secure, which is important as these messages contain secret tokens, so should be encrypted. The format of the data we exchange is typically JSON, that is JSON, standing for JavaScript Object Notation, which is a simple human-readable format 
for encoding data consisting of a few primitive data types like strings and numbers, as well as arrays and objects that can be nested inside each other. Once we have our access token, we can begin making requests to the third-party application. Again, these are HTTPS requests, and the data format is usually JSON, or sometimes another human-readable format called XML. To authenticate these requests, we would include a header with our request that says authorization colon space bearer, then space followed by our token. So now we're able to talk to our user's account package. But how do we know what to say? This is where APIs come in. API stands for Application Programming Interface, and it's simply a standard set of commands and their parameters, along with definitions for data structures used to communicate information. A common pattern for APIs on the internet is REST. The acronym REST stands for Representational State Transfer. Basically, all it means is we should use standard HTTP requests for sending and receiving data using the same verbs already defined for HTTP, which are GET, POST, PUT, PATCH, and DELETE. By having a meaningful path in the URL, we can send requests such as GET forward slash invoices, or POST forward slash invoices, or DELETE forward slash invoices forward slash 1234. These requests will GET all invoices, add a new invoice, or delete a specific invoice respectively. Now I've described the what and why of connecting services, authenticating with OAuth and getting two different applications to talk to each other. What about the how? What tools are available to help with this? When you're playing around with REST APIs, a good tool to use is Postman. This has a nice user interface for putting together requests. You can also go old school and use a command line tool like curl to send HTTP requests. And there are also web-based applications that simplify the process of using APIs, such as Zapier. Most popular applications will have their own plugins for Zapier, so integrating two services can be as simple as authenticating with them both, then defining what particular information you want to be synchronized. Also, lots of vendors that provide an API will also provide code libraries for popular languages that can be used to create an integration without writing the whole thing from scratch. Every vendor who has an API and actually wants people to use it will have made sure it's documented well on their website. There are standard ways of documenting APIs, such as OpenAPI, and tools that can interface with this specification format. So I've talked about a few approaches for connecting between two web applications, with an example I'm familiar with, which is accounting packages. There are some variations on what I've described, for example, if the app is a mobile app with no backend, then while still using OAuth 2, the flow will be slightly different. and You'll probably be working with a signed block of data known as a JSON web token. Practically, this means rather than having what's known as offline access, the application will have to ask the user to re-authenticate whenever communicating with the third party. For more about OAuth 2, you can look at OAuth.net or many other online resources. So many popular web applications do provide an API, and it really is useful being able to work with these. If you have some coding skills and want to get started accessing APIs, then services that use an API key would probably be the ones to start with, since OAuth 2 is somewhat more complicated, but not terrible once you get your head around it. If you just want to play around and want to see what public APIs are out there, 
a good place to start is github.com forward slash public hyphen APIs forward slash public hyphen APIs. Even if you're not writing your own integration, you're likely to already be granting different third-party apps access to the web-based services you use, which are using ALF2 behind the scenes whenever you do this. Either way, I hope this has been of some interest. Thanks for listening. been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. Today's show was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hosting for HBR has been kindly provided by anhonesthost.com, the Internet Archive and rsync.net. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License.